This week's episode is brought to you by Campaign Refinery, an amazing new email marketing automation tool. Look, in the world of digital marketing, there's a lot to keep track of. We all know this. As much as we're in love with social media and the power of social conversation here at Social Inc. and on the All About Digital Marketing podcast, we are well aware at just how powerful email marketing can be. Email marketing is not dead. In fact, it's never been more important to help you leverage your presence everywhere else into the one channel that you'll own, regardless of what changes Facebook, Twitter, or any other platform makes in the future. I've known the founder, Travis Ketchum, for years, and he's been a past guest on the podcast, episode 15, if you want to listen to it. I've personally used his other products before, and they've been fantastic. The amount of thought that he's put into each and every one of what he's created has been incredible. I'd highly encourage you to try their free 14-day trial at campaignrefinery.com to see what world-class email marketing automation can do for you and your business. Massive thank you to Travis and Campaign Refinery for their support of the All About Digital Marketing show. Welcome to the All About Digital Marketing podcast. The show all about digital marketing, digital marketing, digital marketing, digital marketing. Brought to you by Socialink, a digital marketing agency specializing in social media and content marketing for brave brands and forward-thinking SMEs. I'm your host, Chris Bruno, and as always, we're here to bring you the most actionable tips, tricks, tools, and insights to help you achieve more when it comes to your digital marketing. Subscribe to the show and be sure to share with a friend if you found something useful or interesting. You can find all the show notes and more information on www.allaboutdigitalmarketing.co.uk. Anthony, thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me. So I'm looking forward to this conversation, Anthony. Uh, I think there's a lot of people that are going to love this as well, because I think we're going to go into some really interesting topics. But before we get started... Uh, can you tell everyone a little bit about yourself uh, and how you got here, your journey in, in the digital marketing space, and then we'll get cracking. Yeah, absolutely. So um, now, right now, I manage an agency called Modern Media, and we focus on LinkedIn ads and B2B lead generation. How I got here is actually through the uh, tech and software development world. Um, initially started my career at IBM doing e-commerce consulting for them, where they would ship me out to their big clients and go build e-commerce stores and launch them and all that good stuff. Enjoyed it, learned a lot. Uh, I also live here in Austin, Texas and got involved in the startup scene. That's um, the big startup community that's here. Fell in love with that, ended up leaving IBM to start a mobile app development agency of my own. Worked on that for a few years, and we got to work on a whole bunch of different apps and technology for a variety of companies, from startups all the way up to bigger companies, um, and launched a whole number of apps and saw that some companies would, um, some, some established companies or, or companies with a good marketing plan would launch their app and it would do very well out of the gates, get a lot of downloads, um, you know, a lot of new customers and, and 
be successful right out of the gates. And then other companies, we would build them just as good of software, but without a good marketing and distribution plan, it would just sit on the app store and no one would download it. So seeing how much time and effort these companies were spending on that um, naturally got me pulled into helping those clients with marketing after software development. So not only marketing my agency, but marketing for a number of our clients. And we got to work on a whole number of different apps. And then, like I said, just kind of getting pulled into the marketing world, um, sold that agency a few years ago and got started this new agency that's focused on, on LinkedIn ads and B2B lead generation um, to help companies like those uh, attract more clients. It's always interesting, isn't it? Because the product focus without the marketing can often end up being a really, really bad mix, right? So people say, you know, you, you can only sell a bad product once. Um, but the idea being that actually, even if you have a great product without a decent strategy, without a decent plan and without that kind of focus on marketing, it can be a real challenge. Is that what you saw with, with the apps? Yeah, exactly. Like we, we had a number of startups that we worked on that we launched their app and you know, they did very well. And like, you know, these startups were, went on to go on and get acquired or a couple of them have scaled to being some pretty good sized companies here in Austin. So we worked on a lot of like successful apps and then just seeing, you know, similar startups who just didn't have that marketing plan, you know, they, they expected they you would just, you know, build it and they would come. And unfortunately app store has gotten pretty competitive and pretty busy. So that's not the case. So we would, we saw how much time and effort that they were spending on these apps um, and then launching and just expecting it just to sell itself. But yeah, that, that's, that's not the case. Unfortunately, I wish it was. Um, but uh, you know, now it's, now it's helping those companies put together the marketing plans so they can get that, those apps and that technology out in front of their customers. I'm going to dig into this a little bit deeper before we get into the lead gen and, and the B2B, especially. Um, but I wanted to ask for anyone who's listening and who is kind of in that startup phase, what were the biggest pitfalls that you saw? What are the biggest kind of missing links in that marketing plan or strategy that, that companies had that really had that impact to, to, to make them not get those results that they were looking for? Um, so I guess two things just off the top of my head is one is, is just usually we, we just saw some companies that just had pretty much no marketing plan at all, or like they were, they were the tech focused team or they were the product focused team. Um, you know, a lot of startups, a lot of startups might have like tech founders where like they're the ones building it themselves and then just don't have that marketing uh, specialty in house or in their, on their team. So a lot of, you know, so we saw a lot of startups that just had like no plans at all. And they're like, oh yeah, you know, we'll, we'll email it out to our friends and family and then it'll go viral from there. So kind of just relying on the virality of social media um, and, and also just relying on like the app store to promote it for them. But just a lot of times that is, that's not the case unless Unless, you know, some of them, it did happen on occasion, but that you can't really rely on that. That's not a marketing plan. And then second is, I'd say, not having the um, feedback in place that's necessary when you launch a new product. So, so I guess here we're talking about like startups where, you know, as a develop, as when we were in a development agency, we would always build, you know, for, for an example, we would always build like uh, debugging and like crash logs into the app so that we could see you know, purely from a software point of view, like when did the app crash? When did, when were errors popping up? When was the user not able to log in, for example? And we would get those notifications back so that our development team could uh, improve the software, fix any bugs. And, and there's always software bugs. So <laughs> it's important to have that feedback loop um, so that you can, you can improve the software as you go. I'd say the other thing that 
I noticed companies who did very well versus companies who struggled was having a feedback loop with their customers where they would go to product testing um, to, you know, purely, purely from like the business sense, the user experience sense to be able to get the, their product in the hands of customers and then talk to them about their experience. So, you know, we would, we as the agency would handle all the software testing and iterations and feedback, but it's important to also have the company who does that with their customers. I'm always amazed by, and I think you mentioned it earlier, but you know, it's the tech founders and not all tech founders. So I'm not pigeonholing everybody, but the amount of founders who focus so much on the product they want to build that they actually miss some crazy easy wins when you start to get that feedback loop and, and you start to generate that kind of feedback loop. It's so important to take on board the feedback, even if it's not what you wanted to hear. It's the saving grace for so many apps, for so many businesses business models of all sorts, not just apps, but it's amazing. Did, did you find that a lot that people kind of, they knew what they wanted to build. So they would almost ignore the feedback or find excuses for it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Essentially. Um, when you're, when, as a tech founder, if you are the person writing the software or who's very like tech focused, maybe you're the subject matter expert. It is hard to extract yourself from that because you, you, you kind of think you know best, but, um, you know, you might know best for what you know, but when you try to sell a product to somebody else, it's going to be about what they know. So it's about how the, your product that you build is going to fit in with their environment and their business. Um, so everyone has their own blind spots, so you can never do that analysis personally uh, only by yourself. So it's important that, yeah, have that feedback loop. And I remember one project very early in the agency and kind of like in my career as a whole was one of these more... Um, the founder was a serial entrepreneur. He had started several very successful tech companies and we were building an app for his new company. Um, they were pretty early stage. And I remember we were working on some new features and having a conversation with him. We, we had been discussing a new feature that they were looking to roll out. And for where they were, I, I was kind of giving him feedback to be like, Hey, I you know I saw your requirements here. You know, the, the feature explanation, if we did it like this instead, it would be drastically cheaper for you to build this. You know, right now you're building an MVP, you want to get it launched, you know, it'd be much cheaper to build it in this other way, um, which, you know, it doesn't exactly meet the feature you have here, but it kind of does it very closely. And his response was the technology shouldn't influence the, um, the product, the customer should influence the product. And just like how very simply he put that, I was like, Oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I was trying to advise him on the, on the side of costs and effort and timelines like that. And his feedback was, it's more important to listen to the customers and what the feedback that we are getting from them that we need to build into this product. I don't care if it's more expensive, it's what's going to sell this product. Now that's the kind of founder you want to work with as an agency. Um, <laughs> that to me is literally the perfect answer and the perfect response to, to that kind of a situation. Okay, cool. Well, listen, let's, um, sorry, I wanted to dig into that because I think it's great advice and, and it's great for people to realize, you know, where the pitfalls lie, especially if they're just embarking on journeys or if they're struggling with certain things, it can always help to give them some insight. But from your point of view today, so we're talking about B2B lead gen. And this to me is something that so many businesses, small, mid-size, and even some big companies that we've tried to work with in the past, actually struggle with. Lead generation can be a tough uh, a tough space and a tough thing to crack uh, that kind of magic code. So give us a little bit more insight into how you guys work and what it is that you guys specialize in in helping your clients. 
Sure. So we we specialize in we specialize in working with companies that need to target a niche decision maker at scale. So a lot of companies, um, you know, you have you have B two C, which is consumers. Um, you can, your product might be applicable and sellable to a very broad segment of people. And then you have B2B and companies in B2B that need to sell that sell a very specific solution to a specific type of company and or specific uh, person in that company, you know, decision maker or function that they're serving. Um, a lot of these B2B software solutions or just B2B service product and service in general often serve a very specific person at a very specific company. So where a lot of companies struggle is being able to find that person and um, target them in a scalable way. You know, you can go out there and buy email lists a lot of times. Um, you can manually do your own prospecting by certain, you know, you probably know a few of your target customers or your you know, dream 100 customers where you could go look up a number of these people. But once you kind of exhaust your initial lists and your initial outreach, you know, where, where do you go next? And this is where a lot of companies maybe have traditionally used Google and Facebook advertising to try to get in front of those audiences. But um, I'll give you a, another example of kind of one that really cemented it for me as how valuable LinkedIn is compared, you know, for certain companies. There was a business that we were auditing to bring on and they were they were doing the traditional Facebook and Google advertising and they are a big data platform that their software is thousands of dollars per year. Uh, you know, it's made for these bigger companies that have huge server farms where they need to analyze a lot of data and do a lot of data processing. This, this data science company would provide dashboards and analytics and a whole bunch of different features. So it was, you know, you have to be a bigger company to be able to afford the software. And um, it's really only, only going to be appealing to the people in the data science departments, the CTOs, CIOs at these companies. So they had been running Google ads and Facebook ads. And as we audited their accounts, we saw that a lot of the people coming in over Google were oftentimes like looking for information, just kind of like people doing research out there. Um, and a lot of times they were students or people early in their career or just kind of, or just kind of like lightly researching. Um, there were also a lot of people who were looking for jobs and stuff like that. And you know, as we audited the account, they were pretty much following best practices for keywords and negatives, you know, more phrase match and stuff like that. But these were just the type of people that were getting through and they're paying, you know, paying for those clicks and stuff like that. And on Facebook, it was often people who were you know, maybe clicking on the ad because it was an appealing video that grabbed their attention and then they just clicked through and they signed up and they didn't really know what they were signing up for. So this, the sales team was complaining that all the leads weren't great um, and they were making a ton of phone calls to all these leads because you know, Facebook can push a whole bunch of leads for very cheaply, but they were spending a lot of time calling these leads and not getting any sales out of it. Like, and, and just none of the conversations were even qualified to, to be potential buyers. So we took their campaign and we switched it. We launched, uh, we created a LinkedIn campaign for them targeting up bigger companies of a thousand people, or I think it was like 500 people and above. And then targeting specifically people in data science with data science titles, CIOs, CTOs, uh, and those types of leadership at those companies. And just immediately out of the gates, like in the first week, we have our lead tracker set up and, and they're like, these are just the perfect titles, the perfect companies coming through. Our sales team is, is just thrilled. And, and they were like, let's 
totally turn off Facebook and Google, let's switch to all LinkedIn and, and just seeing that shift there. So that's where LinkedIn come, comes in handy is when you need to target that very specific person, that very specific type of company and do it in a scalable way. I think that's really interesting as well, because and we talk about this a lot on this podcast and also to our clients, especially, but, you know, really kind of breaking down what it is that you're spending money on, but more importantly, what's the plan in the beginning, right? So at the very beginning of this podcast, we were talking about it, the apps that don't really have a marketing plan as such, and that just kind of start rolling into things. So from our side, it's very much social media, and we see it happen time and time again, where we've met brands that are spending sizable amounts to create social media content. And when we ask the question, you know, what sort of results are you getting from it? And they literally look at us going, what do you mean results? And we kind of think, well, hang on a second, right? Let's, let's take this back a step, right? You're not just paying money to push out content on social media without a plan as to what it is you're trying to achieve. And actually, we've been amazed to find out companies spending, you know, tens of thousands every single month, uh, sorry, every single year, and have been doing it for a couple of years because they feel like they have to, but not actually breaking down what that looks like. So and I think what's the way you kind of explain that to me and the way that I understand this from, from my own personal experience as well, People don't realize that actually clicks through on your ads, and even if it's a cheap cost per click uh, to get leads through, isn't actually the defining factor, right? What you're looking for is qualified conversations. So what you're really looking for is signed contracts or signed deals with customers. And actually, a lot of people don't look at that cost and don't necessarily plot that out all the way to see just how valuable that actually is. Have you found that as well? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, And when we talk to a new a client or account or somebody who's who's probably running Facebook ads, it is going to be a little bit of um, you know an educational conversation because a lot of times people come to us and be like, "Hey, we're getting ten dollars leads. You know, can you beat that on LinkedIn?" Um, and I'll gi- I'll give you some metrics of some averages that we see on LinkedIn in a second. Um, but LinkedIn ads are a lot more expensive o- overall. Um, just the the base CPC is a lot higher, so the resulting cost per lead is a lot higher. Um, but what you really have to look at is, is yes, that qualified lead percentage. And, um, you know, if you're getting $10 leads, how many of those leads are good leads? And for a lot of these companies that we work with, um, you know, for example, we have companies in like the legal space or companies in the HR space, the, you know, the percentage of, if you were just to advertise that on Facebook, the percentage of qualified leads would be like, you know, one, one in a hundred, one in a thousand, where if you're getting $10 leads, well, your real qualified lead is more like a hundred bucks a lead or a thousand bucks a lead because it's just, those people are just so few and far between. So using LinkedIn where those targeting capabilities are there, that's where you have to go to be able to get these people, get in front of these people. So LinkedIn costs for some averages, um, LinkedIn in the US, LinkedIn sets the base CPC for sponsored content in the newsfeed to be about like $4.50. Um, if you've run Facebook ads before, uh, also in the US, you know, clicks can start about about a dollar per click. It's possible to get lower than that. And then, you know, you might be running between one to two to three dollars per click. Um, but on LinkedIn, the base is four fifty and you just go up from there. So if you're looking to target upper level CEOs, uh, you know, especially like Fortune five hundred companies, those are more competitive audiences. So you go up from there. Um, we have seen in the last uh, couple months because of uh, COVID right now, for two reasons, a lot of advertisers have pulled back their ad spend and there's a lot more people on the platform because we're all kind of forced online right now. That ad costs are actually way down on LinkedIn, about 30 to 40% down. 
LinkedIn still has that floor of about 450 per click uh, in the U.S., but um, overall, CPC and uh, cost per lead have been uh, at some of the all-time bests for all of our campaigns in the last couple of months. Um, but we usually see resulting cost per lead to be between $30 to $60 per lead, uh, and then that, that cost per click at, at about 450 minimum in the U.S. Again, this is something that can sometimes frustrate me when we're talking to clients is when we actually start to break down the numbers with them. So what we're actually looking for is, you know, what's the lifetime value? What's a real cost per acquisition of a customer, a paying customer, not a lead, not a click through to a landing page or anything else, but what's the actual cost to acquire one new customer and how much does that customer generate? Because all of these things, and I think this is really important to kind of dig into a little bit with you and for everyone who's listening, these are the numbers that actually matter, right? These are the numbers that show you what the real return on investment is, not the fact that you managed to get cost per click down to $1 or $4. It doesn't matter. But the idea being of actually what's the real cost per acquisition. So if you spend $20,000, but you're getting a really cheap cost per click, but you only actually bring on one new customer, (laughs) that's your cost per acquisition, right? This is the thing that so many people don't realize. They kind of try to cherry pick the numbers that they want. Um, And I actually find some agencies uh, guilty of this as well by focusing on the wrong metrics to try and make their numbers look better, let's say. Uh, whereas in reality, we should be looking at the, the vitals, i.e. what's the real cost per acquisition and what's the real return on investment, i.e. what's the value of that customer and what's the average that you can actually afford to spend. Exactly. Uh, so you're asking all the right questions and you're having the right conversations. Um, and, and you're totally right. Like a lot of companies, um, they just they focus on that cost per lead metric because it's like almost the easiest to see initially, you know, I, a lot of companies probably haven't uh, or don't often take the time to go through their CRMs to look at, you know, what what is the number percentage of qualified leads that have come through here. Um, so it is a harder calculation to, to get to really have a handle on. Um, so yeah, so when I hear somebody say, hey, I want leads under 10 bucks, I'm like, okay, well, let's talk. <laughs> let's see, let's see what you're, you know, what you're really getting. And then let me, let me show you what we can do on LinkedIn. It's always an interesting conversation when people say to me about the price point of the cost per click or the cost per per lead or whatever it is. And my question is always vice versa, right? How much is the product you sell? How much is the product you sell and how much do you make on that? So if it's service-based, obviously that's, you know, revenue for the company and, and then that gets distributed into people, et cetera. But I actually try and work it the other way around, right? What's the real value that you can afford to spend to generate one lead and not lose money? right? That's the, that's the kind of crux of, of advertising for me, or at least it always has been in the sense of it's not about getting the cheapest possible leads. It's about getting what's realistically um, your cost per acquisition, the real cost per acquisition, and making sure that it's a viable number so that you're not spending more than you're actually making. Right, exactly. And, and that's another reason why we focus on B2B companies for the most part, because um, a, lot, you know, a lot of B2B companies are typically a higher uh, price point for their for their offering. They usually have a higher LTV for their customers, so that ROI will then make sense for when you're when you are paying these higher cost per click, higher cost per leads for your um, for your leads and for your marketing. Um, we typically see that it, it is best to have a higher price point offer, higher LTV for your customer. So that is also why you don't see a ton of you you don't see very many at all consumer products and services advertised on LinkedIn. It's it's pretty much all business focused stuff. Yeah, if you've got the budget within the price point to sell, then you can afford to uh, to spend the money. And it is something actually that I think a lot of small businesses are scared of because of 
because of that. The price mm. difference between running a Facebook ads campaign, especially when you're getting started, limited resources, et cetera. But it can be a high risk element to doing it on LinkedIn when you're talking about cost per click of being $4.50. You know, yeah. it, can, it can scare off quite a lot of small companies. But the reality is if you're in a B2B space, you're far more likely to generate valuable leads through LinkedIn than you would be, for example, through Facebook if you're selling a corporate service of some kind. Exactly. Yeah. For a lot of these companies, it's it's that their customer, LinkedIn's kind of the only place that they can target them. Um, you know, not, not many places are able, like Facebook has very limited job title targeting. Um, and yeah, just very limited job title targeting. So if you have that specific person that you want to target at a specific type of company, LinkedIn's kind of the only place to do it. Companies that we see do the best with these type of campaigns, I'll give you a kind of a few different things that I usually share with people um, to see if they're a good fit, is LinkedIn is a, is a great top of funnel strategy for starting the conversation and getting in front of these people. Um, for the most part, you know, unless you're a major brand, this is probably the first time that this prospect is seeing your company, the first time they're seeing your, your company name, your logo, and like hearing your message. Most of our campaigns are lead generation on LinkedIn, and we use a lead magnet focused uh, approach where someone's going to be downloading a guide or a PDF or a checklist, something that's going to be interesting to them, giving them a reason to opt in and start the conversation. So this is the kind of first touch point of them learning about your company. Uh, you want your lead magnet to be there's a lot about lead magnet strategy that goes into like the positioning of that. You want to if somebody, if you're not a major brand, then you want your topic to be focused on the problem that your prospect has, and then give them a little bit of informa- information, a quick win, you know, share a solution or share an example. Templates are great, checklists are great, um, where they can like, read that and they'll learn a little bit, and they'll, you know, through that process of reading that guide, they're going to learn a little bit. They're going to gain some trust in you that you know what you're talking about, um, and they're going to it's going to create some familiarity. So that's the first touch point, um, and then at that point, after you know somebody has signed up, you have their contact information. You then want to continue the conversation, you know, generally over email with follow ups, one on one outreaches, um, sales outreach. So as somebody signs up for that lead magnet, you know, a call out to them. I'm I'm not sure I recommend like that. Like a lot of people say that the best practice is within the first five minutes to call your lead and before our LinkedIn top of funnel strategy here, I actually think that giving them a little bit of time to digest that lead magnet is useful. So while you should contact them fast, I, I wouldn't say within the first five minutes because they have likely haven't even had a chance to really read what that is yet. Um, they still don't know enough to really trust you to have that phone call conversation. So follow up with them shortly afterwards, but um, approach it as a very introductory hey, I saw you signed up for this checklist. Uh, we're offering free consultations right now. It's, it's a 20-minute phone call to learn more about your business and show you some ways that some tips and tricks that we see work for other people in the industry. Are you interested in setting up that quick call? And then um, getting them on a call maybe with an expert after that and then continuing them through your sales process afterwards. So LinkedIn's a great top of funnel strategy and like the only place where you can target these types of people. That is the first touch point. So then you need to nurture your leads and work your leads after that um, and continue the conversation until they get to the point of buying. Most B2B companies do have a typically have a longer buying cycle where um, it is going to take a few different touch points for someone to make that decision. Maybe they need to get uh, price approval from other people in their company. Maybe they need to share the literature with other people in their company. So, you know, I think they say like the average B2B sales cycle is like 90 days or so. Um, 
So you want to have a follow-up sequence in place. You know, I don't know if you need to go to the 90 day, um, go to the extent of 90 days, but you should have a few additional touch points in there. You should be able to, you should follow up with your leads so that you're maximizing the amount of value they're getting out of them uh, because you are typically paying more, you know, per lead than other platforms. So I'm going to get geeky now and start asking you more in-depth questions. And for anyone who doesn't particularly enjoy the, the geekiness of online ads, I, I apologize in advance. In terms of the content that you guys are doing, and you've mentioned obviously lead magnet focused, and I think that's a, a great play for, for a lot of B2B customers. It gives you a great touch point, education point, all sorts to get that customer journey started. But what sort of content in terms of the ads themselves are you finding work really well on LinkedIn? So typically short and to the point, short and direct ads work best on LinkedIn. Um, and it's because you're usually paying cost per click on LinkedIn, whereas on like Facebook, you're usually paying CPM. So on Facebook, we see a lot of ads that are um, kind of attention grabbing, um, flashy videos where they're, they're curiosity invoking and they're trying to draw the click to get somebody to click through. And then, you know, they'll, then they'll go retarget them later and stuff like that. Um, but on LinkedIn, because you're usually paying per click, you want to uh, eliminate any untargeted clicks or irrelevant clicks that aren't interested in what you have to offer. So we tend to be very direct in who it is we're talking to, what we're offering, um, and clear on like what it is they're going to be receiving. So our copy is actually usually on the shorter side of things. Um, first of all, LinkedIn ads um, have a sh much shorter body copy length allowable than like Facebook ads. Um, so overall copy is shorter on LinkedIn, but we tend to make it um, short and to the point, uh, be very clear on what it is that you're offering, what the lead magnet is, what they're going to be downloading, um, who you're speaking to. And for the most part, we, we usually start our campaigns with image ads on LinkedIn. You know, on Facebook, everyone's all about video and how like that's the best performing ad unit. On LinkedIn, we actually find that to start, videos can almost be too appealing at first where somebody might click before they really know what it is that your video is about or what it is you're offering. And they might just click because it's a flashy video and then you just paid for that click. And when you're paying, you know, a lot more per click, then that going to hurt your performance a lot. So we usually start with image ads uh, being very direct and to the point. And then on Facebook, they have their 20% text rule. Um, LinkedIn does not have that. In fact, we find more text in the ad image actually does perform better. We usually put a little button graphic in there. Um, but uh, yeah, those are, those are some best practices for LinkedIn ads. Nice. I like it. And in terms of when, well, for your clients, especially, I've had this conversation too many times to, uh, to, to care to remember exactly. But I have a real argument sometimes with clients over landing pages. And this is something that I'd like to get your, your input on. For me, it's a very simple process. The idea is if we're going to spend money on ads, there needs to be a clear objective. So if we're sending, spending money on the ads, that's got a very clear objective, which is take somebody to a landing page, which is focused on one thing right? We're not sending people to home pages. We're not sending people to generic content. The ad is very specific. It's about the particular offer, whatever it might be. So like you were mentioning a lead generation or lead magnet, um, something focused like that, and then taking them through to a landing page. I'd like to get some, some insight from you as to how you feel companies can best help themselves when it comes to that landing page and that process of building out um, their, their advert landing page offer. Yeah. So landing pages are also very important. Um, so someone's going to sign up for your lead magnet um, and they're going to go to a landing page to receive it. 
you generally want it to be a focused experience so that someone's going to sign up to get the lead magnet and then you take them, um, usually we'll do one or two things. We'll either take them directly to the lead magnet afterwards. Uh, maybe it's embedded on a page or maybe the download link is there so they can right away get what they opted in for. Um, I think that provides a good user experience. You know, when you sign up for something, you're like, hey, I'm just, I want to read it now. So let, the, let them consume it. Um, let them learn something and get a quick win out of it. And then we offer them a follow-up call to action, um, usually lower on the page um, or making it clear that, hey, the next, hey, you got this guide. Now that you've learned some stuff, the next step is to uh, book a call with our sales team. Um, and you know, we usually position it as, um, now that you've learned something about this topic, if you're interested in you know, how we can help you with this, or if you're interested in a free consultation to learn more, maybe to learn more best practices or get specific tips or, or a free strategy, um, guide for your company specifically, then book a call here. And then we'll take them on to offer them to, to book a call or to get in touch with the team uh, in some way. So I remember talking with Travis, uh, I can't remember what episode it was. Travis runs um, Campaign Refinery, an email marketing automation um, business and also a contest platform. And he's been doing this for years, ever since before I met him actually, sort of nearly a decade ago. But when we were talking together and I asked him about this, cause I know how particular he can be, how many landing pages would you say you have written over the course of your career whilst trying to get ads to work properly? <laughs> uh, hundreds, maybe thousands of landing pages. <laughs> so the reason I asked this is because it happens to me time and time again, especially recently over the time during the, the whole COVID-19 crisis world panic, let's call it at the stage. Um, I've spoken to probably about 40, 45 businesses and the amount of companies that have tried as they call it. Yeah. I, I made a landing page and you're like that. Talk me through this. You made a landing page and they're like that. Yeah. It yeah. didn't work. It didn't convert. No one signed up. No one did anything. I was like that. Right. And that's what, that's it. That's everything that you did about that. But you'd never tried something different. You didn't try and create a different version or a new version or make it simpler or make it more. And they're like that. No, no, it didn't work. We stopped trying. And I think it's so important. And I think, again, for this, for landing pages, for the offer, for ads, you know, the copy, the creative, the text, the, the imagery or the video, everything is about testing, right? Like from my side of things, you know, even when I'm coaching people through different things, all I keep saying is I can't give you the answer, right? The marketplace will tell us what works and what doesn't. We need to try. We need to test. So let's try this versus this. Then let's try that versus that. And we're constantly trying to iterate on ideas to figure out exactly what works really well. And I was just wondering what sort of advice you have for people that, you know, if they've tried once and they failed and it didn't work, they need to get back out there. But if they've tried a couple of times even, you know, how do you help people to really understand and grasp how important that is? Uh, yeah, it's, it's critical. Um, I can even give some examples that um, there, there's lots of layers of testing that you can do in a campaign, and it is important to do them all. Um, I think just throughout my career, any times that maybe the customer seemed, the client seemed very sure that this was the best audience, there, there have been times when maybe if we, did, if we did not do a split test and we just launched one, First of all, it doesn't give you anything to kind of compare against. So you're like, okay, I'm you know I'm kind of in average benchmark benchmark range. I think I'm doing okay. But if once you have a split test, you can really clearly see, okay, this one's doing better than the other one. Let's focus on this one, and it gives you kind of gives you options. Um, because if 
if you launch just one test and it flops or doesn't do as great as you'd like it to, you don't really have anywhere to go except for back to the drawing board. So we always split test a few different levels and most companies have more than one customer segment. So we will split test customer segments. And then on LinkedIn, we will split test types of targeting. Um, what that most commonly looks like is split testing, say, job function and seniority versus specific job titles. That can also be split testing different skills that somebody might have in their profile or even split testing company sizes, um, seniority, like I said, seniority levels and stuff like that to go after different decision makers in those segments. So first of all, split testing the customer segments and then split testing the targeting to those customer segments. And then inside your campaigns, split testing the lead magnets that you do use. Which is, which is essentially split testing your offer. So having more than one lead magnet, more than one offer that you're, that you're offering to people because sometimes a checklist does better than an ebook or other times um, one that focuses on their pain point does better than one that focuses on um, a product announcement. So just kind of having those split tests there and I'm giving two pretty different examples there, but um, maybe, the, maybe a specific topic Maybe, maybe split testing two different pain points in your lead magnet topic would be useful. And then inside those campaigns, of course, split testing all your different ads underneath there to see which different copy, which different images uh, perform as best. So it's a lot of testing in the beginning, but um, really that's what's going to let you see these differences in performance and then give you those knobs to turn as you go forward. So a lot of times when we launch, we need to have a certain amount of budget available to do those split tests. And companies, you know, I'll talk to people and say, hey, for the first month, you typically want to set aside enough budget to be able to do these split tests. And then the second month, if we, if we find a clear, a, a clear winner, then we can just focus on that one. And we can, you know, so, sometimes people will launch with that testing budget, get through with testing and say, okay, um, let's drop it down a little bit. Now that we know which one wins, let's just focus on that campaign and let's you know, run it for a little while and see how our leads do and then see what those conversion rates look like. Um, other time, most of the time people just continue with the same budget and then we will introduce a new split test every month, um, to continue, uh, iterating on those targeting on those lead magnets and on those ads. So often every month we're, we're introducing these new split tests, identifying the winner and then continuing that from there. And then the nice thing about digital advertising and LinkedIn ads is once you find something that works, you can increase the budget and scale up your campaigns from there. It's always from my side anyway, I've always kind of looked at it as, front loading the work effort with the testing with the ideas with just you know try everything and i i have to explain this to clients and say i've been wrong in the past right i've thought you know this is what's going to work well and that is just an outlier crazy idea but we're going to throw it out there to see what the test says and i've been proven wrong right and it's ended up being the outlier that ends up just completely outperforming and vice versa right you know when you're sometimes you think something is going to um it's going to just absolutely go nowhere or it's going to fly or it doesn't really matter which way you look at it the testing is the only thing that really evaluates the the effectiveness of the adverts and again i think that's really important for people to understand not to get scared or put off by the idea of yeah, but I don't have time or the resources to split test and have multiple ads and multiple landing pages or multiple offers. The reality is if you don't, then don't spend the money in the first place because spending a ton of money on one ad, just pushing something out and hoping for the best, the chances are your budget's going to disappear. And at the end of it, you'll have absolutely nothing to show for it. Or you might get lucky. But again, it's really kind of playing the odds game uh, as opposed to putting all your eggs into one basket and almost going out there blind. Exactly. 
so we always set up these different layers of split testing and um, where we see most commonly is, you know, as we create our campaigns, different people on our team will get involved, um, maybe suggest angles or suggest stuff like that. And, you know, even, even us internally in the team, like we, we know what works pretty well on LinkedIn, but the different split tests that we'll set up just internally, as far as like ad angles, copy, um, maybe even targeting options where, you know, different people might be sure of different things. And then it's, it's like, okay, launch it and then see which ones do well. I, I always love being surprised on times when, um, you know, other people have, um, you know, when, when you see an ad that performs really well that you're like, oh, I didn't expect that angle to do well. And then you kind of look back and maybe analyze it and then maybe something in that makes sense and you learn something from it. So, you know, really the only way to improve your campaigns is through that additional testing. Couldn't agree more. And I say it again and again and again, and I'll repeat it one more time. Test, 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 man. Everything, everything is a test. Just keep trying things and you'll be amazed what you'll learn. And again, the beauty of online, all the data and information is there for you. So whether it be LinkedIn ads, whether it be Facebook ads, Twitter ads, it doesn't matter, whether it's just your own website, Google Analytics, even at a very basic level, will give you all the data and information you need to get started to figure out what's working, what people like, what people don't, what people click on, what people don't. And again, you can start to test things to try and figure out how you can improve and make changes. But again, don't be scared of the data. Look at it and figure out what's actually working and what's not. Otherwise, missed opportunities are everywhere and people don't realize how quickly uh, how quickly these little things little changes can make such a huge difference for uh, for people yep. um anthony i'm going to ask you a little bit about organic Ooh, scary <laughs> word for anyone who's in uh, paid media but organic content on linkedin and i quite enjoy linkedin uh, i follow a few people very very closely i'm connected with a wide range of people from many years i've been doing this as an agency for nearly 12 years What's your take on organic in terms of people, companies really kind of using that system and using LinkedIn to, to, to push out their ideas, who they are, what their company does, things like that, as well as um, helping them with the advertising? Uh, yeah. So if you're new to LinkedIn or you haven't really used it heavily, then you'd probably, you probably should start on the organic side of things. The nice thing about advertising is it's like throwing fuel on the fire. So you have to have something to throw that fuel on. Some you know, fire needs to be started. So um, I do usually recommend people start with organic and get a feel for LinkedIn and how the platform works and um, the type of people who are on it, the conversations that are happening there. Um, that'll give you a good feel for that when you get into advertising, you know, what you can expect on the ad side of things. So a lot of times people will start um, maybe just posting organically to their page or their company profile, um, connecting with people on LinkedIn, maybe using sales navigator to get a feel for the search criteria there. Um, the ads, Targeting criteria is very similar to the Sales Navigator criteria. We have some additional options in the ad side of things that Sales Navigator doesn't have. But you know, Sales Navigator is a good place to go look up your audience and get a feel for who's, who's going to be in it. It'll show you the actual people that you're going to be targeting. So a lot of times with clients, what we'll do is we'll sit down and look at Sales Navigator and you know, we're going to select our targeting criteria and then we're going to pull it up in Sales Navigator to say, hey, these are about the people that are going to be included in your ad campaign, you know, are these all relevant for your business? So starting on the organic side does have a lot of value. Um, starting with just posting to your page, LinkedIn can go viral just like Facebook can. And, um, you know, maybe it's even more valuable because you're going to be going viral to a business audience. So LinkedIn on LinkedIn, some good tips for that is, um, 
being more active will get you more organic impressions. Um, using hashtags, the right hashtags will get you more organic impressions because um, people can follow specific hashtags. So um, I've seen a lot of times, like even just my newsfeed, you know, say I, I follow the B2B hashtag, I will see posts from other people using that hashtag even though I'm not connected with them. Um, so it's a way to get your posts into other feeds. You can tag people and companies on LinkedIn, just like you can on Facebook that will get your post in front of their audience and then, and they will get a notification when you do that. Um, so it's a good way to get some more reach and more eyeballs on your posts, you know, do it, do it tastefully. Don't over tag people. Um, and on hashtags, we do recommend about, um, anywhere from like two to five hashtags is kind of the range. Um, more than that gets a little spammy and we find LinkedIn does throttle you. So when you're running ads for your company page, so, so ads must come from a company page on LinkedIn. You want to have your company page fully fleshed out, all the information in, input there, have nice imagery, um, and then have some activity on your page because there will be some percentage of people that click through to your company page to learn more and do some research. Um, so you want to have some information there for them to consume there. So yeah, to start, LinkedIn Organic is a great place to start. If, you, if it's your first time kind of getting into LinkedIn or if you haven't used it much, start on Organic. And then as you get a feel for it, as you get comfortable with it, um, then ads are, are like throwing fuel on the fire after that. Yeah, I'm a big fan of LinkedIn for for the potential to have conversations as well. And this is something that for us as a social media agency, we feel that a lot of brands have kind of overlooked. I'd like to get your input, obviously. Um for us, it's all about communication. So our big, so I've given now a keynote a couple of times at WeWork Labs and things like that. And it's literally putting the social back into social media. Mm. And it's something that a lot of people seem almost afraid of, which is actually getting involved, right? There's nothing wrong with getting involved in somebody else's conversation. If you've got a point of view to share, um, to, to, to kind of take part in, you don't have to own everything, if that makes sense. And I'm wondering if you've noticed that, you know, people where they're working with brands that are doing ads or anything else on LinkedIn and making that effort, whether or not the actual people using that and using that platform to really engage with others and to have conversations helps them in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, that's a great point and a great way to uh, say it. I love, I love the way you said it there. Um, you know, marketing is, is communication. So um, whatever form that communication comes in, uh, you know, here we talk a lot about ads. Ads is a form of communication, but um, messaging is a form of communication. Posting comments; um, these are all forms of communication. You want to do it in a natural way that um, you know that that makes sense, that feels good, and, and stuff like that. You don't want to be spammy about it. So here, here's a tip: is when you run ads, you know, just like Facebook, people can like and comment on those ads, and we find that often people don't watch their ads. So go through and keep an eye on your ads, you know, maybe once a week or once a month in the ads manager, go to the dropdown and see in its, um, I think it's the engagement dropdown. You can see the number of reactions, number of um, clicks in your ad and stuff like that. Look at the ones that have reactions on them and comments on them um, and go and have maybe you or your salesperson connect with the people that are liking and commenting on your ads, respond to their comments That'll help your ads get more organic reach out of them. They might be prospective leads or customers who just didn't sign up. So another way to get more more out of your LinkedIn ads. It's a, I had a conversation with a startup the other day, and um, she had just started a Facebook group for a new niche that she thought might be a quite a cool um, 
blue ocean, let's call it, and uh, that sort of veers away from the standard. And uh, within sort of, I think it was within 48 hours, she'd hit 600 and something members and literally just organic people just coming in. They loved this idea. They were sharing with their friends within a very specific niche. So she started posting and stuff and she was starting to get a lot of engagement. And I said, well, you know, are you replying to all the comments and all the questions and everything else? And she was like, I can't reply to everything. There's been hundreds of comments. I was like that. Literally, there are people that would be dying to pay for what you've just stumbled across. <laughs> Literally, get in there and start responding and have conversations. Make these people into just absolute hardcore fans who love this group and who love the engagement and the chat and the conversation and absolutely maximize that. And I think the way you said it there, you know, going into your ads and seeing who's liking, who's, who's clicking, who's had a reaction, who's left a comment. The amount of times I see an ad with a comment and no response to it. Oh, yeah. And you're like that. Wow, what a missed <laughs> opportunity, man! Especially on LinkedIn, like you're, um, you know, I just tell people like you're paying so much. You know, LinkedIn is more expensive. You pay more cost per click. You're paying a, usually have a big budget. You're usually paying a lot for your ads. Get the most out of them. So yeah, keep an eye on your ads. Respond to comments that are also just you know, it's a lost opportunity. You're leaving money on the table. Anthony, this has been awesome, and I could keep geeking out about uh, online ads for hours, but I'm going to try and be nice to everyone listening. Um, where can people find you, and where can people find out more about you for, for everything to do with LinkedIn ads and B2B ads? Yeah, so number one, you can find me on LinkedIn. I think I'm the only Anthony Blattner on there. Uh, feel free to send me a connection request. I recommend putting a note in the connection message. I'm sure we all get so many of those connection requests. Uh, and then after LinkedIn, uh, you can find me, or you can email me at anthony at modernmedia.io. Uh, our website is modernmedia.io. Uh, if you're looking just to learn more about LinkedIn ads and B2B lead generation, we have a whole bunch of different blog posts out there. What I've found is over the years of you know, number one, just us lear- learning LinkedIn ads, there's not much content out there. So we've tried really hard to pull out a lot of content, a lot of best practices. As we learn things about the platform, um, we put out a lot of blog posts with tips and best practices. So feel free to go scope out our blog. Um, we have a few guides on there as well. Um, our modern guide to lead generation, which has which kind of puts it all in a nice format. So feel free to find us there. Uh, shoot me an email. Um, and uh, yeah, looking forward to, to hearing from you guys. Anthony, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Chris. The All About Digital Marketing podcast is brought to you by Social Inc., a distributed digital marketing agency specialized in delivering results through online campaigns. Whether it's content marketing, social media marketing, online advertising, or web design, we've got you covered from strategy through to delivery. If you're struggling with your digital marketing, get in touch today by simply visiting www.socialinc.co.